Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And today, like I say on every episode, we got a great show for you today. Today we got Hannah Dasher coming on. She's doing some great things out there. She's definitely rising out there. And one of the coolest things that we recently learned is she's from our neck of the woods, so to speak. We live in Cooler, Georgia. Yes. So she's right up the street from where she's from. Um, but next year we'll all be in Nashville together, so that'll be pretty cool. And we're looking forward yes. to talking a little bit about her story and a little bit of her music. music. So, Hannah, are you here? You never know with technology, right? That's yes. right. Can you hear me now? Oh, you just fine. Yes. Perfect. Good. Okay. All right. So how are you? So how are you doing today? I'm fat and sassy. I'm in the middle of making my first sweet potato pie for my. I've oh, got wow. a for my stand by your pan and well, I'm a little over the top so just a plain potato pie just doesn't do it for me And uh, but uh, I'm going to put a little uh, peanut butter screwball whiskey in it and make a little pecan praline layer to go on the bottom of it anyway, oh, wow. it should be, we'll see, it should be good but yeah, yeah the last thing I need to be eating yeah, after that I'm going to run a few miles <laughs> and the next recipe <laughs> So I always like to start the show out the same way I do every time because we are in this crazy time right now. How has COVID affected you, and what are you doing to maneuver through it? Um, COVID, it, it feels kind of like feels kind of like the Lord slowed time down for a minute to allow me to play catch up. I'm, I'm obviously sad about not being on the road and concerned for. Uh, musician friends and you know like one of my band members is uh well he can do some session work but uh doing yard work and another one is drive is working for amazon and drives uber when he can and you know so i'm concerned in that way but uh and and not to mention the mental health you know people people need some kind of Mm -hmm. a release you know and if we can go out and mm-hmm. protest, and why can't we just have some food trucks and a live show there and call it a show? Exactly. <laughs> <Well>, yeah. But all that you to know, say is, uh, but go ahead. You know, one of our friends, Mira Goto, she actually does uh, a call. I forget what she's calling. It's a truck concert where she pulls up to your on the road. Oh yeah. Sets up her stuff in the back of her truck, and she does a concert in your front yard. I see. I think that's brilliant. I think that's brilliant. Um, I've been able to do some private gigs, and I haven't advertised it, and I really need to. Um, I've been, you know, we're, you know, just trying to travel, uh, safely and and whatnot. But um, anyway, but that that's a that's a positive side of this is I feel like people are more generous right now. Like they want to buy mm-hmm. all your merch. They want mm-hmm. they want to hire you guys to <laughs> yeah. do some quote unquote yeah. socially dis private shows. But all that to say, quarantine. Um, it's been I've really enjoyed having the downtime to hone my craft. I've built up my TikTok mm-hmm. and you know, uh, and been able to, to write some songs that the the label's fired up about and yeah, I'm I'm it's it's looking better. It's go, it's getting better. Yeah, it, it's funny for oh, that's us good. it's went it's went the other way. We've been busier than ever because of what we do and here. Yeah. How many interviews? <laughs> Over two hundred. Like you're like 218, yeah. I think. And, and I don't know, man, I don't know that many decent country music artists. So good, good <laughs> on y'all. <laughs> and, and what's what's funny about all this is we, you know, as we um, started the show in January 3rd, the goal was 100 interviews first year. That was the goal. That was the plan. And then COVID mm-hmm. happens, and I told Sandy, I was like, man, you know, 
this is our year to shine. Yeah. We'll never have another 20. 20- yeah. We'll never have another year like this year. And I Mm-mm. bet artists that are bigger who normally wouldn't come on a brand new show would, some might be willing to come on. And because of that, we have bumped it up. And like I said, you're like 218 and we've had people like Cassidy Pope. We just had Randy mm-hmm. Travis on, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's in- Oh, I can't wait to listen to that interview. I can't. No, no but, I, th- I think that's great. That's right. So we're just growing and growing, and yeah. and we've got a we've got a Nashville um, company that's rebranding us, and everybody will see that soon, so that we mm-hmm. can take our show to that next level. Oh, great! Well, congrats to you guys. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, okay. thank you. So I always like to start a little light before we really dig deep. Um, what are some hobbies you like to do outside of music? Uh, well, obviously cooking. I love to cook. I grew up in, you know, my parents both are great cooks, and grandparents were great cooks. So, and I like to feed people, especially skinny people or men. It's just fun to feed people. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I guess because it takes it takes so long for uh, uh, your career goals and for your your dreams, so to speak, to come to fruition. So mm-hmm. I feel like creative people we. We really get a lot of joy out of doing yard work or gardening or <laughs> cooking because it, it you know you can see the fruits of your labor early on and it kind of gives you that <laughs> that sense of satisfaction. So yeah, the, it's just yeah. a hard happiness to find that and yeah. you know keep the waistline trim. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely understand that. So, what would you say is yeah. something quirky about you? What's quirky about me? Uh well, I mean, if you listen to some of my old catalog music. A little quirky. Uh, well, define quirky from where you're coming from. Like, like what? What's your what's your version of quirky? What's your my version is my version is whatever the guest feels. Because we've had we've had guests take it whichever way they want to take it. Yes, we've had many <laughs> I mean, great answers. Quirky, quirky can be something quirky unusual. Unusual I'm or yeah. I'm a twin. Uh, oh wow! Well. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, I'm left-handed. I don't know. I don't know if that's quirky, but a lot of creative people are. Sandy's <laughs> um, left-handed. I'm yeah, left-handed too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> quirky. I don't know. If, I, I don't know. I'm not really. I've never thought of myself as being quirky. I'm just. Uh, I'm just me. <laughs> I fairly do things. And you know, maybe that's the quirkiness. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. I mean, my hand will. That's the quirky, yeah. So, as we start to dig a little deeper here, um, tell everybody a little bit of who you are, where you're from, and kind of a brief of your backstory, so to speak, so that we can get to know you uh, as the person. Yes, I'm from the. If they're still listening, uh, I'm from the Low Country, (laughs) from just outside of Savannah, Georgia, and moved to Nashville after college. University of Georgia, oh, wow. and sold Mercury Outboard Motors and Bass Boats at Bass Pro Shops with my college degree, and I lived in an attic on Belmont Boulevard, stuck <laughs> on a mattress on the floor. I did, and uh, yeah, the flood happened, and we got laid off, and I had to, well, uh, but they, long story short, I was at Bass Pro, you know, even after the flood, we got hired back, but uh, I got fired for writing songs on the job, basically, and uh, a few months after that, I signed my first publishing deal with BMG, and oh, wow. that led eventually to my relationship with Jaron Johnson. 
and he started a new publishing company around me uh, in conjunction with Sony, ATV, called Two Black Dogs. He and his his wife. It was I, I've always been a Cadillac three fan. They were the Cadillac Black when I discovered sure. them. And those of you who are oh, listening, wow. they're, oh, wow. they're a piece country rock and roll band. Uh, they are incredibly talented. They've had a lot of outside success with. Uh, uh, song cut. They've had a lot of. There's a lot of their music that you'd be familiar with that other artists have cut. But all that to say, uh, so and Jaren's just a guitar god, and he's just. I don't know. They're just so awesome. So I really look up to him, and was playing at the basement a few years ago, and he got up on stage with me, and whatever. When we uh, we wrote a song, and the rest is history. And then uh, yeah, oh, wow. he and he and his wife Evan introduced me to Jim Catino at. Uh, Sony Music Nashville and and I got a big girl record deal, uh, but I, I have to credit my relationship with them, you know, and relationship oh, with awesome. the office. So we hope to eventually that. get the Cadillac Three on our show. Oh yes, oh, yeah. we'd love to have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're cool guys. They're you know, yeah, they're home being daddies and hit makers. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> that's the way to be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm loving the cuts Jeremy just had on that Tim McGraw record. If y'all listened to, haven't listened to the new Tim McGraw record, it's pretty good. Oh, cool. I will have to. So, at yeah. what age did you know? Now, now, a lot of people always ask, "What age did you know you want to do music?" But I like to go a little deeper than that. At what age and what happened when you when you looked in the mirror and was like, "This could be a career"? What was that moment? Um, I guess I've I've always known. Um. Uh, mm. My first concert, I was three, four years old. It was Alan Jackson and Vince Gill. Uh, and when Chasing That Neon Rainbow uh, was out, that was, I guess, probably around, I don't want to age myself, but it, when, I, when I would hear that come on the radio, uh, it was just more of an affirmation for me than than an, an, an anthem than just a really good song. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I've always been a little different, I guess you could say, ADHD. I grew up with some really, really beautiful girls. Uh, down there, as y'all know, they, they they grow them really pretty in Georgia, and so I had to develop. <laughs> yeah. Not not that I'm a total troll, but I definitely was way out of my league there. I was way out, you know. They were all tens, so I had to develop a personality. Uh, and uh, <laughs> well, you know, in order to be noticed in a room, I guess you know, I just uh, uh, I think God planned it that way. But uh, yeah. I guess I was on how to be funny and uh, and how to hold the attention of a room, and I think it's all just kind of worked together to make me the artist that I have the potential to be, or that am, that I am today, <clears throat> the potential to be. You know, you're talking about that. That kind of made me think of this. Um, when Cindy and I, for you know, through the years that we've been married, you know, there were when we are out and about, and we run into people. Not, not now. I'm talking strangers here, not people that we know. We run into people, and I mm-hmm. start a and we're, I'm in a conversation with people. Um, within two or three minutes, Sandy pretty much knows, and sometimes she's rolled her eyes through the years that she knows we're going to be there 60 minutes. There's just no way around it. When, when I get deep into talking with somebody, and I've done that thousands and thousands of times in our almost 18 years of marriage, and it's funny now because we kind of laugh about that because we're like, you know. That's prepared us for this show. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it has. Well, I, I'll try not to be that long-winded. I think it all kind of works. Yeah, like there, there are things that I've wanted uh, to happen for myself earlier 
you know, earlier mm-hmm. on, but I look back now and I realize that I wasn't ready. And, and I, back to your question earlier about quarantine and how it's been for mm-hmm. me, uh, it's been a positive thing in a way because I think it's, you know, given us the time to kind of slow down and I don't want to mm-hmm. sound like a hippie, self-reflect, kind of, <laughs> kind of but, 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 you know, but just to, to do some, uh, to do some housework and some personal work. Uh, yeah, and I'm learning is to get out of my own way and mm-hmm. to just uh, let let those in con- who are in control because they've got their job for a reason. Reeve McIntyre would say, "Let them do their job." <laughs> and and once I right. started to do that and to, to kind of get out of my own way, uh, yeah. things are kind of the things mm-hmm. are happening. So I'm just for that I'm really <clears throat> thankful. And uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's light at the end of this tunnel, honey. There always is. <laughs> That's and I, right. I love that. Absolutely. You know, one thing I like to do on our show is, as you know, when, when people, they they see the glory of a Blake Shelton, the glory of a Miranda, glory of a Carrie, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifices, the tears that it takes to not just get at their level, but even a career level with music. And I don't think it's talked about enough, to be honest with you. I think it should be talked about more because I think people need to know what, Go, what artists really go through. So I'm going to tell a quick story where I want this to go, and we'll talk about that. But back in 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls, and I asked her what, what advice she had given up-and-coming artists, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, basically if you can see yourself doing anything else, go do that. And keep music as a hobby. She goes, the moment you want it to be a career, you no longer own your life. Everybody else owns a piece of it. Your, your friends and relatives will never understand because while you're grinding, they're inviting you to weddings, to weekends, to holidays. And they don't understand that you can't say no to gigs at the beginning. You can't just quit. You can't cancel a gig once you've said it. They think, well, this is my big day. This is wedding. But if you've already got a gig set for that day, well, you, there's 50 people depending on you being there. You can't just yeah. say, oh, no, never mind. You know, so they never understand that type of stuff. Then your family has to sacrifice with you because you're on the road so much. And then on top of that, you know, as crazy as it may sound, on top of that, there's days that you feel miserable. You don't want to do anything. But if you've got a gig that night, you've got to smile like there's no tomorrow. And, but then she added, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, you cannot see yourself doing anything else then go all in because the only way that those kind of sacrifices could ever be worth it. What do you think of what she said? And let's talk about that side of it. I mean, I, th- I think it's, I think it's very true. Uh, you know, the grind, uh, people, people, people don't understand the time, money and tears that go in you know, that, that, that are from the uh, ground zero to the radio, if you will. They just think, Oh, you get a record deal and boom, there you are on the radio. You know, man, I, I had a record deal for two years. You know what I mean? It's uh, and I've been in Nashville for ten, for ten years, and uh, you know, money talks a lot more if you have a lot, of, a lot of it. Yeah, I, I have it, but uh, I don't want to sound like I've got a chip on my shoulder about it. I just I've learned to appreciate yeah. the timing and where I am and doing mm-hmm. this all from scratch by myself. Uh, you know, without a manager, uh, I am mm-hmm. in the market. I will be, but. Um, yeah, I'm basically turkey hunting as far as that goes. I'm just going to try to create as big enough of a buzz as I can first and then let them call the gobblers to the field. But anyway, but uh, yeah. talk about the grind, absolutely. I, Lord, I've got, 
I've got a girlfriend who didn't talk to me for a year because I had the bridesmaid dress purchased, but I could not afford, I simply could not afford the money to drive all the way down to her wedding somewhere near Albany, Georgia, yeah. uh, and dance wedding, and I was mm-hmm. and buy hotel rooms and all that kind of stuff, and I just, I couldn't afford, I couldn't, yeah, couldn't do it. She just couldn't understand, uh, you know, and it wouldn't put the money up to help get me down there either, but I'm not going to yeah. open that. But at the same, you know, yeah. so uh, it, it is mm-hmm. it is hard. But at the same time, uh, I'm happy to make sacrifices like missing baby showers and weddings and whatnot if it's if it's necessary for this career because I can't see myself doing anything else ever. <laughs> I love ever. that, and and you know, um, I'm Mary Rich. Now that we talked, to, and and you know what, and I can definitely see your passion there. And you know what, when you listen to the big artists. Do interviews. The hosts are always taken aback by this. You know, many times a host will ask, and they always ask the same question: where, where would you be if music didn't work? And nine times out of ten, the artist will answer. The big artist will say, "I would just be a broke musician because I had no plan B." And the hosts are always like, "Oh my God, you you, you didn't have an well, well, just in case." Plan B. <laughs> I have plan B. Good heavens, but yeah, no, absolutely now. I get it. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, I just don't plan on a. You know, my my parents required me to go to college to get a degree to fall back on. I got a degree in journalism and PR. And I was really a double major, so I majored in the, the music business program that's there, which is I guess a minor now major program. But anyway, uh, but I but I never banked on using it. So so, but I totally understand. Yeah. So now that we talked about the sacrifice side, let's talk about the side that people see, the glory side. When you look back on your career so far, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that, or wow, that happened, you know? Uh, well, pre debut, uh, for oh, sure, wow. that was a, a year ago, September 27th, and uh, Dan uh, and uh, Jordan Pettit and the folks there on the talent. Uh, the, the talent staff, they saw me playing and uh, had heard my music, took my music that I've had mm-hmm. out, and uh, were just fans of what I do. And they, uh, the, the Opry has started some program with Old Red downtown, which I never played downtown. I didn't go that route. I, I, went, I wanted to yeah. go the pro route publishing deal because it, it's easy to fall into the, down, the downtown cover band kind of route. Not that I, mm-hmm. I, I think. Now, not that I'm better than that. I just there's an image that I like to keep up, and and I just want my music yeah. to be taken seriously, if you will. So yeah. all that to say, uh, but I started playing a few shows uh, there at Old Red, and their staff is absolutely wonderful. And playing at the Old Red in Knoxville, got Gatlinburg area, had a dang ball doing that, yeah. and the opera surprised <laughs> me one night with an invitation to play. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, but they just say, you know, we just we. We see, we see numbers, but we see, you know, we see talent regardless of, and, and obviously I don't have the, the kind of numbers to justify an opera debut, but they just felt like that, that huh. building had been waiting for me. They said, we feel like this place is waiting wow. for you and we want to debut, like, wow. you're ready. So I appreciate So what was that. it like walking in that circle? Oh, my Lord. I bawled my <laughs> eyes out. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, well, when, it, when it's your debut, so the first time you walk into the circle is a few hours beforehand. They they mm-hmm. uh, they have we had a camera crew and all that there, but you do it around 
3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon so that you can get all the emotions and the tears out of your system so that you're not crying like a yuppie <laughs> when you get it to perform on the live show. Uh-huh. Uh, but, no, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, no, it was great. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I remember all the little girls in my art classes drawing pictures of their wedding gowns and crap like that, and I was always drawing that WSM circle with that microphone, that Sherpa D5 looking you know, microphone in the center. That's what I was always doing. And so it was very surreal. Wow. Was, uh, yeah, that's uh, – I mean, I could have died and gone to heaven. And, and it's such a special because, moment. You know, it's such a special uh, – because we've got artists that we've interviewed – where they've been invited to sing on that stage with other people, and they've turned them down because they're like, you know what? When I walk in that circle, it's going to be because I earned it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, absolutely, yes. I mean, I've I've been backstage, backstage several times, uh, and at the Ryman and all that. But yes, I've always I've always refused to step into the circle until it was my my time. Yeah, and and it it took a minute to force my foot over the over the line because I I still. <laughs> So I'm I'm nowhere near worthy the the talent uh, that I do that stepped in that circle. I'm nowhere near worthy of that. But uh, yeah, but no, that that was a killer moment. The Troubadour. If uh, for those of you who are listening, if you're rock and roll fans, and you'll you'll know the uh, the Troubadour out of L. A. Right there on your Beverly uh, Hills, and uh, where a lot of my rock and roll heroes have played. And you and <laughs> you, you walk in, and it just smells like like it smells like Jim Morrison partied there the night before, probably with the doors. And it, it smells like yeah. 1979, 1970. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like there's these Elton John vibes. There's this, you know, Ron Statt, the Eagles. I mean, all of them have all played there. And uh, the Cadillac yeah. Three had a big show there last November, and I opened up for them the acoustic guitar and. Anyway, and it was just such a fun show. They basically carried me out of the venue. The fans were oh, wow. great. I never played in California, so I didn't know how I would be received. Who's this country, country ass chick walking <laughs> up there with the bouffant hair and the, you know, and the the tailored 1970s nudie suit on? Uh, who is this? <laughs> and uh, anyhow, but it was so much fun. Oh, uh, I mean, those are some highlights. Is that you asked me some highlights in my yep. career that made yeah, all work? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, the Brad Yeah. Show, um, you know, I, I think uh, all, but but all, all this stuff was was timed out and spaced out. Uh, mm-hmm. it, to me, if it would have if it had happened all at once, sometimes they you know you wouldn't appreciate that kind of stuff. So I I feel like God. Oh wow. This and uh, it's preparing me for for what's to come. But yeah, the Brad Paisley said he wound up cutting a song that I was actually working on. Uh, the idea I was working on the idea uh, for the last days, my last days at Bass Pro Shops when I got fired. So it was a I got a <laughs> kick out of it. I was playing that song as a part of a, my set for my opera debut too. It was really fun to look over at the uh, at the Bass <laughs> Pro Shops, which is in the same parking lot with Grand Ole Opry, and they're oh, wow. for. For for yeah. months and months, that's what got me through working retail. I I appreciate anybody who has to come, who who works in the service industry or who's worked retail or or whatnot. And, and I, I was selling outboard motors and bass boats, but it's still retail. And uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, but some days mm-hmm. I just look over, but you can see the Opry from my desk. But I just that's what would motivate me and get me through. And so it was it's yeah, that's, really cool to, to drive. Yeah, that's by like that. for what we do. You know we're. You know, we, of mm-hmm. course, our show don't make money yet. Eventually, will. 
So to, for us yeah. to stay afloat in the evenings, we deliver for DoorDash and things like that. So, yeah. you know, we're out there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really cool when we're driving around and we're delivering food. I told Sandy about a week ago, I was like, can you believe that we're delivering food and we're about to interview Randy Travis? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have being grateful for wherever you are when you're there for so long. And this is, I guess, advice that I would give to people that are coming up. But for so long, like, it was hard for me to enjoy where I was because I was always Mm -hmm. so focused getting to where I wanted to be. And Mm -hmm. um, in the last couple of years, I've just really learned to be in the moment and enjoy a lot, especially now during COVID, things have slowed down. So, And plus, it's more like driving in Mayberry now. Traffic's not so bad. Of course, it's kind of picked up in Nashville. Yeah. But absolutely, I've scrubbed, I've scrubbed toilets. I started a house cleaning business uh, on the side a couple of years ago because I mean I, I had to sell all of my guitars to mm-hmm. help pay for the band because as you know, whenever you play shows, show pay, especially as an opening act like me, you're only going to get paid maybe five hundred bucks to a thousand dollars for a show uh, for the smaller venues like the Georgia Theater gigs yeah. or things like you know, mm-hmm. that. And paid that kind of that much money for to be an opening act and a band uh cost you know my gosh one player is you know 200 bucks a day pretty much plus <laughs> renting a van for the weekend which is 500 to a thousand dollars plus fuel plus mm-hmm. hotel room or you if you're lucky enough to have someone with a big house in the town you're playing you know that you do that but uh so i had to uh-huh. sell my a lot of guitars so i was borrowing an acoustic guitar for years and uh anyhow i just started a house cleaning business on the side when I wasn't uh, writing songs or I'd go write and I'd go clean a house for four hours mm-hmm. and I was able to buy myself a, a Gibson that I play now because I got tired of scrubbing toilets but I just but I, I I was thankful for the work because I was doing it myself right. and uh, yeah. mm-hmm. anyway so but driving DoorDash I think about you know you guys doing that hey that's about the same as scrubbing toilets I don't think there's <laughs> I'm not above doing any kind of work if it's going to if it's going to benefit me in the long haul and help my career. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And that's what it's doing for us. And the good thing is, you know, it's funny. It's me, my wife, and our two kids all in the SUV and pulling up to people's house. You know, so it's something (laughs) that can do together, still talk and chat and -hmm. what we need to do and still keep that family unit together while we do that. Yeah. Hey, I think whatever works, man, I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. So we're gonna so we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and mm-hmm. play your song The Tree and then talk about that. How's that sound? Awesome. Boy. All right, hang on Bye. the line. Hey everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at the sportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. 
The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. Yes, great song. Love it. Good. It was just a song that had to, was, was writing with Casey Bethard and Brandon Hood, and uh, uh, we were just vent, venting, really, uh, as <laughs> as purists like to go in there, in there and do. And by the way, let me let me preface all this with saying that I love all kinds of music. I have, yeah. while I, where I 
I, I may not sing pop, but I'm like a huge Bruno. Uh, oh wow! Fan and Justin Timberlake. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just into good stuff. Um, yeah. Right. We, yeah, we get Casey, it. Casey came in and he was talking about. He's like, have y'all seen that movie with Kevin Hart? Uh, Kevin like takes care of this uh, paraplegic guy. Gosh, I, I see previews of, of that. We haven't seen it yet, but I, I remember the previews. He he's like, but he he had some idea. I can't remember exactly how to put it, but he's like, you know how the how the he was talking to his to his baby mama about how the apple didn't fall far from the tree or something. And Casey went on with his idea, and I thought, and I was just kept mm. sticking on the tree. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, the tree is a hell of a title. Um, and and, and uh-huh. you know, what, what if the tree symbolized mm-hmm. country? And then the song was born from there. Uh, oh well, you know. Oh well, well I mean, well. The, the and uh, the the overall the overall message is just pushing uh, timeless over trendy. There's a you know, there's a happy medium that you can reach it while while staying true to to who yeah. you are and writing and writing great stuff while carrying that torch mm-hmm. forward and, and fresh. Um, yeah, and yeah, I feel like because a lot of times you get too because a lot of times you get to the, the extremes where where people want only the traditional to survive, and then you got other people that want only the pop side of country to survive. And like you said, there's that middle medium where you can still stay yeah. to your roots, but still get it some mainstream there too. Well, yeah, I mean, well, do what you do. I mean, if, if a song is great, then a song is great. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care who who's singing it or how they mm-hmm. uh, delivered it. And and I so I just yeah. you know yeah that there's you can you can serve any kind of whiskey, just don't water it down. That's kind of my opinion. For that. <laughs> right. So it's a song we wrote, just kind of get off of our chest. And and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I obviously I'm I'm an openly honest person, but I told mm-hmm. Lemon I don't want to release this, and the, the, the level just got really excited about the song, but I didn't want to get it. I didn't want to release it unless I had uh, an Alan Jackson or Luke Combs as a guest vocalist on it, maybe a Reba, uh-huh. uh, and. It was like, oh, you know, well, yeah, we're going to talk with Luke this weekend at a show in Charleston. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get Luke Combs on it. Well, yeah, fat chance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they just had me put it out anyway. And uh, mm-hmm. but it, but it's a great, it's a great introduction and a stage setter to who I am. And yeah. uh, I mean, I could sing a, a two chain song, and I'm still going to sound country. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yes, yes. Uh, you know that's like when we were watching um, Idol a few years ago when Gabby Barrett was on. All except Luke. Luke was 100% behind Gabby Barrett. But I remember the other three judges. They kept telling Gabby, "You got to get that country out of you." And I'm sitting there like, "She's country." What do you mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah. They told her that. Um, Katy Perry was like, you, you need to go R and B or soul. You don't need to be country. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Well, but there, and, you know, here's tissue powder success. You know, and and on the and, flip side of of the tree, I think uh, I think you got to play ball a little bit in order to to get out there yeah. on the field. You know, especially if you're mm-hmm. if you're not the decision. Like, like I mm-hmm. say, you can. You can wrap the pill in a little cheese to get the dog to swallow the medicine. Right. Uh, <laughs> he's still getting down though. Yeah, he's still getting the medicine. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, 
so another thing we like to do on our show that I think doesn't get enough support out there is, as you know, people see the artists, but they don't see the PR people. They don't see the managers, producers, the, the team behind the artists, and I don't think they get enough love, to be honest with you. So I always want to make sure they do get the love on our show. So if you want to take a few minutes to talk about the team that helps you be who you are. Well, uh, Evan and Jaron Johnson, uh, obviously, Jaron gave me my first uh, electric guitar. I had no idea that women, but I, I feel like I wasted so much of my adolescence and young adulthood <laughs> by, by not playing the guitar. Uh, oh, wow. Well, because well, I, I thought the electric guitar was just like a dude thing. I had no idea until <laughs> I saw a video of Bonnie Ray shredding it on the guitar and I thought well shit so I've picked up a slide and just started teaching myself a little bit here and there and but I never had the confidence to just go pick up an electric and do it because I mean it's an entirely different animal than an acoustic guitar and mm-hmm. uh, when I signed my publishing deal with them he gave me a 69 telly with a P90 rock and roll pickup in a Telecaster, these are you who are listening to Honky Tonk Nashville Fender guitar. It's a really nice guitar. So he's like, here, learn it. Mm-hmm. So I did. It was just like huh. going to France. So yeah, so I fake it. Um, I don't, I don't shred it. Well, I take a few solos in my, in my sets and you know, mm-hmm. enough to entertain the audience. But, uh, but I'm so thankful for that because uh, country and rock and roll have always been where it's at for me. Country music. Yeah. I was glued to country radio growing up, and then obviously when I got into boys. I got into their music too, so I have to, so I have to kind of credit, I have to kind of credit the uh, the guy friends and like guys who are like my brothers and my dad and stepdad, the men in my life for uh, for introducing me to bands like Skinner and Zeppelin and ACDC, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, and just I, I can't get enough of good swaggy rock, and that has a lot to do with with who I am and, and with what turns me on. I have nothing against girly music, but yeah. if, if it's not that's gonna if yeah. it's not something that make that makes my, my upper lip curl up into a sink face and I'm really gonna <laughs> listen. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. Yeah. that's why I'm a fan of guys like Eric Church and Brothers Osborne or and How about Eric Church's life. new song? Yeah. Oh we I love mean, that one. Is that the crazy well that's one? a hardcore song. It Which is. one crazy one? Oh, the, the stick that in your country song. Oh, 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 I love it with Jeffrey Steele. He's, yeah, there's so good. Yeah. Oh, I, that song. I'm sorry that it's not doing well on radio, but there's that. Um, what did you ask We, we hear about? it all the time on the radio. We hear it all the time on the radio. Yeah, they hear it. They have this playing a lot locally. What, what, what y'all listen to? Is it Kick 96 and a half down there still or 94.9? What are the uh, stations down there well, now? Well, we listen, to, we listen to both Kicks 96 and Bob. Um, 106.9 nine. All right. Oh, good. Good. I'm, I'm glad they're playing it, and that's great. That's great. I cannot wait to start radio tour. I'm hoping that's coming up soon. Rumor has it. I don't know all yeah. the dates yet, but but uh, you asked me something, and, I, and I've already forgotten the question. <laughs> it was what about you your team. About? Oh, credit the team. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, but mm-hmm. yes. Uh, as far as my. I have to give big credit to Evan Johnson and then to uh, uh, Tracy Fleener. Well, I guess the names don't matter, but my, my stylist, Jennifer Kemp, she is an absolute saint. But these women have done a lot to, uh, and obviously having a budget for, for clothes and all actually helps. But I just, 
I'm I'm able now to 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 wear what I've always wanted to wear and Jennifer has had such a vision for building this brand. Uh you know, and I mean everybody thinks I'm the uh brunette dolly or whatnot and 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 that's fine that, that's a, that's some huge shoes or a, it's a huge bra to fill if you will but uh but i've always been mm-hmm. I've, always, I've never tried to be dolly by any means but uh because i, I didn't listen to tons of her music growing up i was more so listening to the alan jackson and the hank jr and aretha but yeah I, uh but i was always intrigued by her looks like the you know with nine to five chunky dolly Best little warehouse in Texas with Burt Reynolds because that's just my era that I longed for. I was never yeah. a part or thought of. I was yeah. never alive with all that. But I, I was born in the late 80s. But uh, I've just <laughs> always loved that, that, that Porter Wagner, the 1970s polyester, uh, that mm-hmm. glam. Uh, that's the wardrobe that I've always wanted. And so we've been able to recreate a lot of that uh, 1970s honky tonk, uh, I guess, dolly wardrobe, I guess you could say. And, uh, and well, I guess a personal note, I did start stuffing my bra when I was six or seven years old. I've always wanted to uh, at least have a big chest. <laughs> but sound, we're trying to sound like her. But Jennifer, my so much, she, uh, she, she's very picky about who she works with. And mm-hmm. Anyhow, and she, uh, you know, but she just, we're a spirit animal. She just gets it. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the clothes that I'm wearing or have been recycled, they're like some old John Party shirts or um, got some of Brad Paisley's like old jackets that we've you know tweaked and and uh, like altered. We uh, it's funny we have the same train. He, he I, I'm getting some like Halloween costume leftovers that I actually wear in person. Like one is a is a Smokey the Bandit Trans Am Burt Reynolds edition jacket, and I've got a couple of those. One, one was his uh, a Halloween costume, and it's actually mine that I'll wear. So like in oh person. cool. But uh, team, my publisher. I think I think the publishers uh, really need to get more credit there. Uh, mm-hmm. They're responsible for a lot of artist development. Uh, yeah, my first publisher at BMG, Daniel Lee and Jeff Stevens, who produces Luke Bryan. Jeff did so much to teach me about commercial songwriting, and uh, he and his wife Sandy, just the most awesome people in the world. And and I really respect the camp, the business that he and Luke Bryan have built together. Uh, mm-hmm. They're very ethical. And mm-hmm. I mean, anytime, anytime an artist wants, or Luke wants to cut a song, an outside song, like that, or that he didn't personally write that other people wrote, he calls the songwriters personally and he'll leave a voicemail. Oh, wow. He doesn't get a hold of it. I think Chesney's that yeah. way. And, uh, uh, but it's, but they, they just taught me a lot about uh, dealing, dealing <clears throat> with people in the the industry and how to approach things and yeah yeah uh but but the rest i think i've had to learn on my own and yep, i love that yeah yeah you, but you I'm know very thankful. we kind of we <laughs> you know we kind of got a third part party to our team too you know a little third co-host our little eight-year-old we always let him yeah. ask one question so sandy's going to get him on to ask you his question <laughs> yes i will get it <laughs> what, what's his name it's Christopher. Well, hey, Christopher. <clears throat> She's getting oh, me now. So. He probably heard to you. Me, though. I, to he me, did. it doesn't does matter who gets the credit as long as the as long as the end goal happens. You know what I mean? Like as long as, <laughs> as long as my goal is brought to fruition, I don't care who gets the credit. Like if because yeah. some people need that, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm so happy 
there are so many things that, well, I don't want to give all my secrets away, but, but yeah, I mean, I just, uh, again, I think you just have to kind of let, let things be other people's idea and put quotation marks on that statement, uh, in order to get what you want sometimes. And I'm all about that. As long as the end goal happens and yeah. Yeah. Well, here's Christopher. Yes. Here's Christopher with his question. Hi, Hannah. Hi, your favorite? Hi, darling. I don't think she. Huh? Ask again. Hi, Hannah. What's your favorite food? What's my favorite food? Fried chicken. Do you like fried chicken? Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, I, I know. Even even bad fried chicken is still good fried chicken. You know what I mean? I love a fried bird. Oh, it's so good. Pizza. Okay. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Well, if you're in town, uh, you'll have to have some some uh, some standby your pan fried chicken or some Nashville hot <laughs> chicken. <laughs> Thank you for the question. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, darling. Bye. <laughs> How precious. <laughs> yep. And we've got an 18-month-old daughter. When she gets older, we'll be plugging her into the show, too. I love that. I love that. I think that's We are a family up there. And you know what's funny? We just changed our main media. We were running under the Mm -hmm. name New Country Media. Um, But but we always talk about we're a family affair. We're a family affair. So we're in the process of changing everything to where now we just locked in a domain and everything that we're going to be – Family Affair Media. Okay. Well, there we go. How sweet. How sweet. Hopefully, when Caitlin gets 18 and he's 25, maybe he'll be the president and she'll be vice president of the whole media company by then. Uh, well, there yeah. we go. Hey. That's the atmosphere. Good heavens. Good heavens. But, uh, but no, talk to me. What else would you like to know? So, so if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to write about? Oh, does it have to be just one person? I think it would be Don't so much be. fun. I think it would be so much fun to collaborate with Justin Timberlake. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yep, I just think the two of us could come up with something really fun. I, I'm so country. Uh, if I if I just sit there and hold an acoustic guitar and sing, I'm going to sound like Lori Morgan, 1994 era country. You know what I mean? Whereas what mm-hmm. I'm hearing in my head, what I'm hearing in my head, though, is something super fresh, and I love writing with track writers, uh, like my girlfriend, Zarni DeVette. She is so talented. Uh, you know, Brandon, or my buddy, Austin mm-hmm. Charles, Neil Mason of the Calibri Drummer, he and I write a lot of great songs together, but uh, because he gets that quirkiness, to use your word, he gets that out-of-the-box <laughs> side of me that I feel for, you know, I'll be like, oh, hey, Pull up some Tame Impala, so and so, or some Stevie Wonder, this, that, and the other, you know. And uh, I like to think outside of the box. That kind of stuff just turns me yeah. on. But yeah, a dream collaborator would be Justin Timberlake. Even uh, I've just now recently gotten into Charlie Puth. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Puss, is that right? Puth, Puss, whatever. He has got. He's got. Uh, yeah, I think it's Puth. Fun, I think. It's yeah, and then as far as like a dream duet partner, uh, mm-hmm. it was Greg Allman. I mean, Ronnie Dunn obviously would be 
Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, probably Ronnie Dunn. Alan That's Jackson, awesome. <clears throat> so this past February made the five-year anniversary that we asked Kelsey Ballerini where she wanted to be in five years. And I always want to tell this story before I ask that same question to each artist so to get them to think about that question. Because when we asked her that question, she knew where she was going. She told us almost everything that she wanted to be do within five years. And now it's five years later, and she's living almost to the T of what she told us five years ago. So I always like to tell that story to kind of get the artist to think about that. So where do you want to be in five years? Good heavens. In five years, I would like to be selling out stadiums or well on my way there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would like to be – uh, I mean, if I'm speaking selfishly, I would like to be successful enough to be asked to join the Grand Ole Opry. That's my that's my ultimate goal. Oh, that'd be good. A, oh yes, yeah, membership just, just means the world to me. So, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to be selling out stadiums eventually. If that happens in five years, <laughs> great. If it takes me six, all right. But um, <laughs> you'll 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 live with it. <laughs> six or eight. So I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. Yep. So let's oh, say and, your uh, tenure. And, yeah, and I'd, I'd like to be on. I'd like to. I'd also like to host the award show in the next five years. I'd like to be hosting. Oh, that the, would that would be awesome. Oh yes. Yep, yep, yep. And awesome. doing an appearance. Uh, I'd like to also be on Fallon, but that might be more so in the next like seven years. So. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I, I love all that. Now let's say that you're we're ten years or twenty years down the road, whatever it is. But you are a success at whatever level that is. But you're there. If the person you are now could meet your future self, what would you tell her? I thought I'm in a pageant or something. Uh, if I, I, I hope to be the same Hannah that uh, <laughs> then that I am now. I, I keep enough solid, grounded people in my corner who hold me accountable and would call my butt out if, for whatever reason, I get <laughs> sitting that like that's the always same good Hannah. to have. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I would. Great I just, I just say. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's. Uh, I I wish that I could meet the the future Hannah and get advice from her. Right there now. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. So let's say you had a friend of yours, and let's say you heard him or her sing, and they do have something special. And let's say that they've played maybe 40 shows, 50 shows, so they're still getting their feet wet on the performance side, but they've gotten on stage, and they go, what every artist says, that stage bug where they look over the crowd, crowd's roaring, and they just know they're in the right place. And they come to you, and they say, Hannah, I know I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to help guide them the next two, three, four years? I mean, if they're talented, they're really talented, I mean, it, it takes – like to me, talent is uh, it's not a word to be thrown around loosely. Yeah. Just like I look, I mean, if if you've got it, then you've got it. And uh, I get I usually get really excited when I when I meet a person that I that I like to say has that halo over their head, uh, like yeah. a Charlie Worsham or a Brent Cobb. <laughs> uh, John Party, John Party had that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, I met Luke when I was 16 years old, but he just had that thing. Uh, about him, you know, and uh, I saw that in John Party, mm-hmm. uh, the brothers Osborne, TJ and John Osborne, they've always had that 
well, and Charlie Worse, and they're all, all in a band together at one point. But yeah, there's just that thing about them, you know, the successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've I've seen the same in some people on the business side in the creative industry. Uh, a couple like couple of friends of mine, and one one of them, she's now like on the up and up of. Uh, I let her come live with me, and uh, she's now in New York working for BMG. And she's like got just this boss job now, and she's like handling oh, wow. all big, big music accounts for, I mean, huge artists, and like she's dealing with Ed Sheeran now, and I mean, she's like, she's got such a boss job, but she just, she was destined for that. Um, but the advice that I would give that person, these people, is uh, do five things a day to advance your career, whether that's you know eating healthy and exercising, you can count that as two, uh, networking. Mm. Uh, doing something to help somebody else. Uh, that's one of those things. Help, you know, do do something that's give of yourself, give of your time and your talents to another fellow uh, co-writer, songwriter, artist, or something. Um, and I've getting I've gotten fussed at in the past by my mother, grandmother, or some of my friends for I've been I've been accused of giving away my groceries for free a lot. If that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, and it's come back to bite me in the butt a time or two. But at the same time, I don't I don't regret sharing my knowledge because I just uh, I didn't know I didn't know anyone when I came to town, and I didn't know anything. And I wished that I would have I would have had someone to mm-hmm. teach me these things mm-hmm. or to show me things. And so I just I try to that I try to be that person for other people that I believe in. I love that. So as we come to a close here, what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? (laughs) Uh, What's next on the ballot? Like what's, what's coming out next? Or I don't know. I really don't know. So so, so tell us what's coming next. You know, so (laughs) tell us us what's coming next here. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. We're uh, the label's chewing on three right now, but uh, uh-huh. one of those is one of those is a song that the Warren Brothers wrote. I have uh, I've only cut one what we call outside song again, a song that I didn't write. I'm mm-hmm. obviously no songwriter here in town, but uh, I heard this. Brandon sent it to me, and I'm working with Brandon Hood. He's producing me also, and uh, mm-hmm. I was like, this is so good, but. Uh, called uh you know guys buy the drinks and girls call the shots and uh i just thought it was just a smash so i'm excited yeah. about that yes and uh wrote a really cool song with brandon and tim nichols it's got kind of a a reba 90s vibe to it but it's so fresh oh, wow. the middle is deniable and it's a little more down the middle for what I normally mm-hmm. do, but my gosh, does the song grow on? It just grows on you, and the melody it was just—it was so fun to write and so fun to sing. And uh, yeah. the label's part about that one, but it's called uh, "Leave This Bar." And oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, that's there's there's those are two for now that we've got coming I out. I love that. <laughs> so, tell everybody how they can reach you as we end here. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Hannah Dasher on TikTok at Hannah Dam Dasher and like on Facebook you can find me on Amazon. You can tell Alexa to play me. Pandora, iTunes, Spotify, all those uh all those DSPs and uh, uh yeah, uh, yeah. 
hopefully hopefully at a show near you when all this mess clears up. But I'm so tickled to be <laughs> on here, Chris and Sandy. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, it was oh, our thank pleasure. You for being here. And and we enjoyed, we enjoyed it, it and we definitely look forward to having you back down the road. Absolutely. You guys rock and thanks for great questions and and for thinking of me and let me know where I can listen in to this when it's posted. All right, so oh, it'll be posted and then we'll be uh, and I'll be tagging you in it. Sounds good. All right. Thank you guys. All right, Y'all have a good one. You too. Oh, you Talk too. You thanks so much. Bye.